Welcome back to the Exeteras Podcast with Kevin Durant. My name is Eddie Gonzalez. As always, I'm here with my guy KD. Kevin, man, people had a couple of days to digest the first half of this convo with Kyrie. What, what you thinking, man? I think people are enjoying it. I think a lot of people love Kyrie on the low. <laughs> I think they really respect his mindset, his approach to the game, his approach to his craft, but more importantly, just how he is as a human being. I think more and more people really love what Kyrie brings to the sport and to the culture as a whole. So part two is even better. You know what a big part of it for me is that I didn't get to tell him. I feel like Kyrie, he has that game. Like if all of us could play like the way we want to play, mm-hmm. it would be very much like Kyrie. Yep. Like we might have a little <laughs> bit more bounce. We might have a little bit more bounce. Yeah. But we'd be, have that handle, right? We'd a little taller. Like that. Yeah, a little Maybe bit. About six feet. <laughs> so, you know, six three, you know. <laughs> but his game is just, it fits, you know, because he does pretty much everything great, you know. You kicked the convo off with the perfect word to me. You called it an art form. And I thought that was beautiful because the way he plays, it feels like art. And I, I think that's a big part of why people enjoy him so much. People love him so much. And then the way he speaks and the way he's passionate, even when you don't agree with him, you kind of have to respect what he's saying because he says it in such a way that it grabs you. So we get a lot more of that here. We're going to talk about some of the controversies. We're going to talk about Kyrie, the disruptor. We're going to talk about... <laughs> You know, all of that stuff. He let us take the convo anywhere. And I'm excited that he did that because we, yeah. we got a great podcast out of it. So let's get back into it, man. Let's get right back to Kyrie. And again, special edition. Birthday edition. Hey, right, right. <laughs> all right, man. So without further ado, here's part two of the Etcetera's episode one with Kyrie Irving. The one and only, man. The one and only. Hitting the game winning shot in game seven of the finals, it's almost like the greatest thing you could do, right, with your mentality. And then to watch you go, wait, this is it? And to kind of see that on your face, it was like, yo, that that has to be like enlightening and liberating, all kind of things. But you just look like in a daze, like, yo, I just did the greatest thing I could do in this sport. And I don't know, like, you didn't know what to do with yourself. It was like a little kid. It was funny. Mm-hmm. And then you transitioned from that and went straight into Team USA. And with your ass. <laughs> on a boat for two months. <laughs> with your, with your and, butt, yeah, with you. And then that's when we really got into the, the to the that was the, the rocky part of our relationship right there. Rocky. And, <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. a rocky part. It was Me, a, not, you a rocky part. You, you know what I mean. You remember. But, I know, I know. Hey, hey, Eddie, I was coming in. Look, this is this is this should tell you about the rocky rockiness of our relationship. I won't go into the details. <laughs> Let's just say when Kay used to come to the lunch table or the lunchroom, I used to get up and leave. I'm just leaving at that. <laughs> it, got, it got elementary. And I was like, and I turned into Big Melvin after a while. Like every time I come, every time you come out here, I got, every time I come out here, you go in the back. So like, but we 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 grew from that. We grew from that. But more importantly, though, like. Like, tell me how you felt going from winning a chip to being a star and point guard on Team USA and winning a gold medal all in a few months. It's like those. That's what all the greats did. Yeah, from LeBron's to you know four, MJ's. Four yeah, the greats, the greatest players that ever touched our court did did things like that. You're one of them. Tell me what that was like going through that whole uh, transition. Man, honestly, I was tired, bro. Like <laughs> I was so tired and beat. Um, I had maybe three weeks to get my party life down, meaning like my celebration. <laughs> yeah. so, like I had, I had three straight weeks where it was just like, wow, you know what I mean? And, and you and I had, and that's the one thing I, I really didn't like about um, you know becoming uh, at, at that time. You know, I, I am grateful that I became a champion, but I don't think I, I was ready for the responsibility of what that meant of being a world champion and every single eye being on you at that point, everywhere you go, you know, and, and I'm, I'm still so aloof at that point of what's going on that I'm just happy to be celebrating. And it's like, people are around you now because of what you have, you know what I mean? And it's like, it now brings a, a influx of so many unwarranted energies, unwarranted people that you can, you can only, you know, they're there for the, they're there for the time and the celebration, but for you as a person, you know, it's, it's whatever. 
So after I got all that stuff in order, and I'm, I'm going through, you know, I, we got a camping phase. I'm like, this, this is how I felt. <laughs> we have a camp in Vegas. So, <laughs> Team USA, we're getting back together. I've gained probably like eight pounds. I'm like, man, you know, I've had enough champagne. I've had my fill to celebrate. And now we got to freaking play. And Katie has just decided to go to the Golden State Warriors. I'm there with Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, DeMarcus Cousins, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Mello. Mello. Let, let's, and let's just say this. Everybody on that team thinks they're their man. You heard everybody I just named, right, Eddie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody on that team thinks they're their man. Yeah, I, I named great players that have established themselves. Why I say that is because I'm coming off a situation where we had to be the closest knit team possible in the NBA to win the world championship. Now I have to transition myself into being around some of the greatest talent in the world. And we have to form a team in a matter of a week before we go and play against other countries. So, you know, I'm trying to come into this and just be like, yo, listen, guys, look, I know I'm the champion here. <laughs> I know oh, I'm the champion. Fuck you for that. <laughs> My man flashing the ring like like a, like like somebody he who just got engaged. Did. Like the good. Oh. He definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> that was yo the funny thing is in 2012 Kobe flexed on me so hard for that like I was talking my shit we beat him in the in the playoffs that year he's like yeah right you only you only got I only could talk to Brown on this thing alright <laughs> go, go back to put your headphones back on so that's the same that's the same type of energy you had uh, in that 2016 and that's why you, you and Kobe remind me so much of each other yo. that's what it's about though right getting to throw that weight around with your peers like now nah, I'm I'm him right now like yo Eddie yo and K knows this too bro I was 24 25 24 so yeah. mind you I'm 28 yeah. now or 24 so 24 year old Kai winning a championship <laughs> in NBA history like at that time you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm like, you know, guys, if you need some leadership, come talk to me. You know what I mean? I can, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I would never disrespect the guys that I play with in any type of situation because it taught me lessons, man. And being on Team USA at that point in 2016 was like, I looked at Kay, and Kay would used to get mad at me in practice. He'd be like, he, he was trying his hardest not to say anything. Like, yo, Kai, man. Yo, what the, yo, 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 be Kyrie Irving, be Kyrie Irving, be Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I'm like, yo, okay, I'm here just to facilitate, you know, like they're expecting me to come in and come off. And I'm, I'm like, no, bro, I'm, okay, it's on you, bro. You, you the man here, you the leader here. Mello, you the leader, you the leader. And I think uh, also what I was dealing with, and I, and I didn't share this with anybody at the time, but, you know, my knee was, it wasn't, it wasn't right. Like winning that on the championship and then playing USA, like it wasn't the best choice for my body. And I was trying to stay in shape and, and try to keep it healthy, as healthy as I could of being over in Brazil on the boat, having, having limited resources on that boat. You know, it was great for USA to put that together and I'm grateful for the opportunity. But at the same time, I needed a certain routine in order for me to be at my level of play. And we're playing on different court, different basketballs, you know, I'm wearing different shoes for Team USA because now I'm supporting, um, you know, the shoes that are coming out for that summer, for the Olympics. Um, and, and just the synergy of guys. You know, I wasn't really around. I didn't hang out with Kay all the time or Jimmy or, you know, or DeMarcus. But what ended up happening was uh, that I'm thankful for is the women's, the women and the men, we were on the same boat. So we were able to have optics and lenses into what makes all of us special. And... You know, this, you know, we, they had the old regime, the older regime with Diana, um, you know, Tina Charles, Sue Bird, Maya Moore, you know, they were the OGs and they had the youngins like Elena Deladon was still maybe in her fifth, fourth year or something like that. Um, you know, who else was trying to make that team, bro? That was around. Stewie was on that team. Sylvia Files. They had, they had a nice mix. They had some, they had some Hall of Famers on that team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so do we. We have Hall of Famers on our team as well, but we were younger. As a as a uh, as a team, except for Kyle and um, who else? Mello. 
Yeah. So, bro, I, when I tell you that it, being around all those personalities made it fun, that's what made it fun. Playing against all the teams and blowing them out and getting into close games that we know we were going to win. <laughs> no disrespect to those countries and what they do, but it was like, bro, we were beating ourselves. <laughs> we were beating ourselves. Mm-hmm. And people at home are like, is this going to be the USA team that loses? And we're just like, bro, we have me, Kevin. <laughs> like, Clay. we have guys on our team. Like, stop disrespecting us. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Clay. Clay was on that. Clay was there. So we had snipers and people that knew how to play hard. Draymond. Mm-hmm. But also, we were like this, Eddie. K knows. Because K was about to go mm-hmm. on his journey with Golden State. I was going back to Cleveland trying to just be part of history with MJ, Scotty, and Bron. And I etched my name with that of winning a championship and then going to get a gold medal in the same year. So I was grateful for that, grateful for the journey. But when we left, we were straight back into work. Yep. Yeah. Went straight to Santa Barbara. We had a mini camp. And then we were getting ready for the season. And I was already in shape. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm about to ride this energy into the new season and use that as motivation. There's this famous video, you win the conference finals, 17. And they're they're handing out the trophy, and you're in the back, like ooh, like ooh, yeah, I remember that. Is it exactly <laughs> what it looks like, or did they just is it is it not that? Because it looked like you was like, nah, I'm ready to like we about to bump, like it's about to be ugly. Who it, it? Who else was gonna do that for us? <laughs> yeah, because I know that the I know that the Warriors were watching us win that trophy. Mm-hmm. I know Kay was at home watching, like what is, what are these dudes doing up here? And I'm like, and I see you in the back, and I know. The real hoopers are watching like, man, this this accomplishment right here is just one of those that I'm about to go mm-hmm. against. And it's going to demand us to be here now. We we thought it was, you know, we, we 4-0, damn near everybody. Yeah. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? We're both 12-0. and 0. I didn't see it as any other thing of just another challenge. And playing against Kay and Steph and Clay and Draymond, I was just getting ready for that. Like, yo, I can't wait for this, bro. Mm, we just beat Boston. I can't wait for it. It looked like watching you lock in, like, in real time. It was like, I remember I was geeked. Like, oh, they going to get him. Like, Kai, Kai about to go crazy. And and then, you know, what happened, happened. We're going to talk about that, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, you know, coming into that series, though, when we played in Golden State, game one, we, there was always an idle time. You know what I mean? Where you were, with your, you were with your family. You know, when you're Golden State – we were with our families or we were on our phones. And most of the time after those games, there was always somebody on our team that got blamed. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was always somebody that got blamed for the loss. Like, especially in Cleveland when I was playing, like it was always somebody. It was either me shooting too much. It was either Kev not showing up. It was either Swish not being this or I'm like, bro, this shit is whack. So coming into game two and then being in those finals, bro, that stuff mentally – can affect the way you go into the game plan. Mm-hmm. Now you want to prove on the biggest stage that, yo, me kind of deferring or me not playing that same aggressive style of playing in game one, you know, it didn't translate into a win. Mm-hmm. So we come out game three and they come, we lose game two. They come back game three. And I think I had like 38 that game. And it was a back and forth game. Mm-hmm. It was back and forth game. Back and forth game. And down the stretch, I didn't take a lot. I didn't take a lot of good shots. Um, but throughout the game, I just remember playing to the wall, and we still couldn't climb over that hump because of who they had and the talent and the the level of awareness and IQ that they had collectively as a group. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? they knew our weaknesses because not only did we have two series the last two years, now we're coming into 2017 in that series against an even bigger team you know what i mean they're they're yeah. longer they're more they're smarter they're more uh experienced k is just almost one of those guys where yo on the defensive end he's going to make an impact and also offensively so i can have 38 you know we take that back to 2016 we beat that team mm-hmm. but because my 38 bronze 30 or 20 and somebody somebody else has to have 20 you know they had across the board steph averaged 27 clay averaged 23 uh k averaged 30 we what are we gonna do at that point? <laughs> I remember in game one, that first quarter, like Kay's picking you up full court, like he's he's doing wild shit like that, and and everybody's dunking left and right. It felt like an all star game, but like everybody's trying really hard. Like y'all trying the all star game, but this felt like an all star game with finals intensity. I've never seen basketball played like that before, and I was like, yo, we're gonna get 
this incredible series. And I know when Kay and I talk about it, he mentions what you mentioned a lot too, the the, the IQ level between the two teams and just how locked in they were. And I think as you look back, that's the difference. You you mentioned something though, and I want to get into that as we transition to off the court stuff. How the noise off the court and from reporters and the like kind of got to you in that series. I don't want to say got to you, but you you did say it helped. It made you change your approach a little bit. And oh, you, yeah, look at, yeah. you look at a year like this year, a lot of noise about you. And this is the first time you spoke publicly in a long, long, long time. So does it not bother you anymore to hear you be called the disruptor and to be painted as the guy who's taking down the league and trying to pop the bubble before it blows up and all this stuff? Like, <laughs> does it does it just Man. not bother you? Or do you hear that in like, is it is it hard for you to not come out like this and be like, nah, this, this, and this happened? Because I know I'm watching it and I'm like, well, these things they say Kyrie's asking, they don't sound too crazy to me. That sounds logical. You know, that sounds valid. And and again, I just go back to when Woes called you the disruptor. I'm like, what? And it just sticks out to me even all these months later. And then we have a team boycott a game. And we have issues within the bubble. And we have things that are still going on outside in the real world. And it's like, I, f- I, wonder if, I wonder if Kyrie's vindicated right now. I wonder if Kyrie's looking like, I told y'all, like, you know what I mean? So, does that stuff even get to you anymore? I know you hear about it. How could you not? But does it does it bother you in that way, like you said, in that series it might have? Well, I think I've heard I heard something, and it was Maya Angelou. She said that. She said, one person standing on the word of God is the majority. You know, and I'm always going to speak on what's right. And I think that comes at, um, you know, a price where – all of those things that they dress me up as fall off at the wayside, you know, of who I truly am. And I don't think it's fair for me to bring that type of energy home and consider it, meaning people talking about me or people addressing me as, Hey, what, you know, what, what is he doing? He, he's not smart. enough. There was something that Kendrick said. He was like, yo, you know, if you put his brain in a bird, it's going to fly backwards, you know, and we have, you know, people like that, that I don't have a problem with at all. You know, that's his opinion, nor do I feel disrespected by anything like that. But what I would say to that is I, I've I'm come to a place in my life where I serve myself and I serve others. But also I take the criticism serious from people I respect, you know, and people that are on a yeah. alignment and wavelength and frequency as I am. You know, I, I can't take in everybody's burdens and problems and thoughts about me and what I should be doing, what I should not be doing, because I have taken that into consideration. And it also became a very dark place that I was in. And when people speak about these dark places, we fail to accept that you have to go to therapy and you have to go get help because you almost become a prisoner of your own fame, your own life, you know, your own presence, your own stature. And... I, I always wanted to be the strongest in the room. You know, the person that holds everything together knows I got everything right. Like my shit don't stink. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I, mm-hmm. I'm, but I've also learned from a lot of great individuals that sometimes it's great to lead from the back and I don't need to feel vindicated for saying what's right. What's already been known historically. If we break down factual information, we're not talking about opinionated facts. We're talking about factual information of things that have happened in our world, in society, to race, to religion, to our belief system, to media, to propagandizing, um, you know, racial tension and social injustice. And, you know, there's there's so many issues that you want to tackle that I want to tackle, you know, and honestly, it's so hard to do it without having a destination. And my destination at this point is not to be the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Like, what the fuck does that title mean? Like, you know what I mean? For me, it's so small and so small. Like, it's such a small atmosphere who I am. You know, so sometimes when I'm in this basketball space or entertainment space, and I say entertainment with music, with sports, with media entertainment, there aren't enough smart people out there that are doing this job. You know what I mean? That I actually can say, I go and watch and I go research them. And I'm like, man, I'm actually going to learn something from this article. Most of it has something to do with someone else's opinion about someone else's opinion. And it's a response. It's a reaction. And I'm not a reactionary person, but I can be impulsive with things I say. And I accept that. 
So I think what I've learned is to take my message and make it a lot more clear. Hey, I stand for my native indigenous black men and women, my kings and queens, Hispanic, Latin, all of the seeds of the earth that have been here before, you know, white America or this white, you know, idea, ideology of, of who we're trying to be and what we should do. Sometimes I feel like I have to hide my gifts to dumb it down to be a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I study philosophy. Yeah, I'm a scholar. Yeah, I, I'm a nerd by trade. Like, I just happen <laughs> great at basketball because I put in enough time just as anyone else. I love to be inquisitive about reality. I love to learn about other great minds that have questioned the very reality that we're in. You know, I can't just say I want to be great at this one thing and then not put in the time to do that. So I think I've figured out that kind of recipe of knowing what's truthful to me and knowing what I stand on. And that's protecting my, all, like I said, my indigenous kings and queens of this earth. And however that comes, I'm going to speak up on it, you know? Was it was it hard for you to not defend yourself in those moments? Oh, bro. Perkins calls you whatever. Like- Honestly, I see it as it makes it it makes it cool for the sport, for entertainment. But mm-hmm. it doesn't make it cool when it affects people's families and legacy. Yep. It's bigger than that. It's bigger. And, you know, I don't like I said, I'm not mad at Kendrick, nor am I mad for anyone else that talks shit about me or talks about, you know, what I should be doing or judges me, whatever. I say that, like. This is my journey and I accept it. I accept who I am, whether you write about me or not. But what I'm going to do is hold people accountable. I don't know if you know enough about me to be speaking on things that pertain to my legacy. I, I'm not a bad leader. The narrative, I'm, I'm, what is Kai doing? Why is he an MBPA vice president? Why did he join the union? Why did he do this? Why, why is this? Why is this? Well, if you had a chance to be in my position, I'm not too sure you would make the same decisions. And that's the reality of all of us. I can't think for everyone. I'm not everyone's leader. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't speak for every American. I don't speak for every world traveler. I speak for myself and I speak for the people that come after me. And it becomes hurtful and distasteful when you see these people that we know know better that go up on these TV screens and then make a mockery out of a person or their family just to be relevant for that day or to get their point across. You can get your point across without demeaning somebody. You know what I mean? TNT, they already use all our likeness and and everything we are in order to build up these characters. At least let me speak for myself before you speak for me. Yo, do you think that, I had these thoughts before, yo. Do Do you think the media has come even more toxic with the use of the internet, especially around our sport? Bro, I told you we're a DM away. From everybody. Just more accessible. Mm-hmm. That's what the internet is. You can DM somebody with 89 million followers and you may get a response back. Mm-hmm. You may. You, depending on the day, depending on the time, or you may see somebody that you love as a business uh, entrepreneur and you can go out and invest in that business right away. Just the same way everything is accessible. Everybody's kind of an expert page now. Everybody's yeah. a, a critic of an industry, you know what I mean, of what the big time players in the industry should be doing. And then we have other people in other industries speaking on what other people in other, in other industries should be doing. And then got the media who stands by on the sideline who just watches all this shit. And then they report it. They report it how it's supposed to be made for their audience. The audience at this point for our sport expects drama, bro. They expect. They expect locker room tension. They expect, you know, teams to break up over time or they expect Giannis to leave and go somewhere. And, and now they put it, this idea in the universe. And now they put pressure on, oh, he unfollowed everybody on the Milwaukee Bucks. So what? So <laughs> what? Exactly what I was thinking. Who cares? So what, bro? They're really over there like, yeah, I, I can only imagine what this means for the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis and the owner should get on the phone with Giannis and he, they, they should definitely try to keep Giannis. Giannis be out of his mind to leave Milwaukee. If you don't leave that young man, that young king alone, and that's what I said, when our own source, our own foundation, our own home becomes diluted with all of these people that I don't respect, their criticism, their stories, it becomes fallacy, a fantasy. It's like something that people run around in. Like they have people in the bubble talking about everything that everyone's doing. That's too much access for me, bro. Yeah. Okay. I think the initial seeds of this are 
when we had first getting 24-hour media because now we have 24 hours to fill and highlights aren't enough. Now we got to know what you're talking yep. about after the game. Now we got to know where you're going after the game. Now we got to know who you're friends with. And then we get, like like Kyrie said, we get all this access. And it's, now now they're picking you. It's happened to you, Kay. It happened to you a week ago. You tweeted something, and we got people on TV talking about a tweet that was nothing, a lyric. I, tw- I tweet lyrics all the time. And it's generally just, I'm listening to this song. you know. <laughs> and it's like me telling people in the know, I'm listening to this song. But somebody's on TV talking about it for for eight minutes saying, is, is, is Kevin Durant sending a message to the rest of the league by saying this? you know? And I think it's just, there's such a rush to make everything a story. If, if you like a picture tomorrow of the wrong woman, yeah. you're going to be on 20 blocks. And they're going to wonder what you're doing with that woman. You know? And you're just scrolling and liking pictures. And I think that's part of it. They, they and and the other part is some of these media people. I tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago. Some of these media people want to be the story. They want to be the star. And when you do that and then put yourself ahead of it like that, you're now you're reaching for anything that makes you part of the shit. And so you have people going on TV saying things that they know are gonna go viral. They're hoping they're gonna go viral. And then when they go viral, they're taking victory laps over it. When I came up, and I'm not even that old. It was like number one, number one rule of J school was no, no unnamed sources. Like if you get an info and they can't say it on the record, you can't use it. Go get it. Somebody else to say it. NBA media lives on unnamed sources. They live on that shit. It's crazy to me how the media can kind of like create their own stories and then milk those stories. And then, then you be judged by that story and have never said a word. Then they ask you about the next day that they made up. Yes. Yeah, and it's funny because you watch it happen like the network may have the game on the following week to these two players playing. So then they get the two players and say, what do you think of Kyrie Irving, KD? And KD will give like an honest, oh man, you know, he's nice, he does this. And then they might ask you, Kyrie, what do you think of Kevin Durant? And then they're, they're quietly promoting that game that they're going to broadcast by creating this story of the shit you said. And it's like, yo... Does everybody not see what's going on here? Like I'm losing my mind, and I know yeah. y'all see it. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's but that's what I'm saying. Like it has turned, it turned our game into people that don't even watch it that have mm-hmm. a lot to do with it. You know what I mean? Like people are asking me, like, so what you gonna do free agency? I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Like this is dude <laughs> on on the New York City streets in 2019. Like, God, what you going to be doing? It's just, it resonates mm-hmm. across all fans now, is what I'm saying, because of that type of drama aspect. Like, yo, the NBA, man, they bugging, man. You didn't see what so-and-so said about so-and-so, bro. He said <laughs> he said he was going to do-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yo, I, I get it, but at the same time, I don't want to play media games, nor do I want to play, uh, you know, like I don't know what the agenda is, but I'm not going to, sit here and say that I can't be better with my platform moving forward when those things happen, you know, because I fed into it. Yeah. I've been a part of it. You know, I've been used by it and also used it in order to get my point across to become more accessible and utilize these media sources in order to make sure I clear up some type of quote or clear up over this. So it has a lot to do with the growth of our game because now it's become a global thing. Um, but also back home, you can become almost a prisoner of your own fame just because of it, um, which, which I don't like. Because the internet, you know, you got people posting people's address uh, online or, oh, I saw him here. And you could be doing something common. Like, yo, I saw a brand video of K playing baseball. And the caption was, Katie out here living his best life. And, and it's like, <laughs> you know, no, but, the, but the, not everybody's living like Katie. Not everybody, you know what I mean? Not everybody's living. Not everybody has made it to this certain type of level, like to where, you know, this is like, yo, we could be on the So putting that out there is like, what are you keeping up with exactly? Somebody being or somebody being somebody. Like, I don't know the difference. Like, is this something that we want to capture us just chilling? You know, like we could have, I could have, I could invite the paparazzi or invite people in here and we could just sit down and do an interview here. And they'll just boom, raid the spot and they'll stay outside. And everywhere I go in the morning time at 630 in the morning, or are we trying to see the human side of people? Are we trying to capture celebrities doing regular shit and them being the pillars that we look up to? 
or are we trying to capture normal people doing extraordinary things in their craft and respecting them for that and then respecting their their work ethic off the floor about what they do as a humanitarian now those are things i stand for you know other than that the me all that other stuff is just convoluted and a bunch of nonsense So one of the things I appreciated that both of y'all did this year was you didn't talk much about all of this stuff going on. Again, you you did the union meetings and went viral and became a huge story because you was you were vocal there, but you 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 didn't talk to press. Instead, y'all both took action. Y'all didn't do press. Y'all didn't do press releases when you when you you put money back into these neighborhoods. You're you're helping out. You you you're helping out with the WNBA. Um, Talk to us about what you did this summer and and was that your aim to like just do the work and not talk like to to show and not not say that's all that's always the intent. The intent is always to serve others as like I said, I serve God and I serve others, and I'm always praying and thanking him for the tools and resources that he blessed me and my family with to be able to help others in need or be there for others when they when they need you um and, and the honest truth is you can't necessarily save the world, but one small act at a time, one small gesture can change the world. Mm. It's just one moment in time can change the course of someone's journey. You know, one conversation, one handshake, one sit down with somebody can change your life forever or multiple moments like that can change. So your life forever. But um, I just took my responsibility more serious, man. And uh, I just noticed that it's chess. It's chess even to help your own community. You know, there are powers that be in place right now, historically, that limit some of the services that I would love to provide. Um, you know, because we're inheriting, um, you know, a lot of the, the wealth gap history, a lot of the, you know, social unrest history, um, you know, a lot of people that sacrificed their lives or were murdered and killed for us to be in this position today. Um, and I always want to commemorate that in my action and what I do. And that's all it was, man. That was the attitude, you know, whether it was, you know, feeding people in need or uh, sending apparel or, you know, sending underwear to people or, uh, you know, sending essential goods or donating my own capital, um, you know, just helping people have breathing room. Uh, because during the COVID and pandemic, I mean, bro, whole world stopped. Yeah, you know we we got the stimulate we got the stimulus checks, you know. But in the hood and in in the neighborhoods, there's still things going on. You know, it's not mm -hmm. really a pandemic going on in the hoods because you know we're necessarily isolated from the world anyway. The issues are isolated anyway. You you got to be from there to understand what's really going on. And like I said, historically, you're trying to fix things that have been there for years. So when you're looked upon to help. Sometimes I have an answer. Sometimes I have a solution. Um, and sometimes I don't. And, you know, I, I feel like you can't put yourself under pressure to be able to serve everything at once. Like we have to, I have to be in my role, being responsible for my power and helping others for a while longer, you know, to continue to figure out where I can make my change because there are countless amount of special individuals that are doing great work to change the way our system is run now, man. And I'm just trying to do that work alongside Kay, you know, alongside other family members of mine at home, abroad, um, whether it even just be putting my books up on Instagram that I read, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Simple things like that or putting down quotes to help someone uh, help someone else. You know, my act of serving my Lakota tribe, my Lakota Sioux tribe in South Dakota, sending masks, sending hand sanitizer, sending capital to be able withstand things that are going on like this because we don't get help from the government you know what i mean we we ultimately are at the bottom of the list of racial relationships that matter and i represent two sides of that coin um you know being native and also being black even with the way you're identified like publicly a lot of people always leave out that side of you you know and as someone who i have half of my family's native as well so it's like it was fascinating to learn that, and then it's fascinating to watch people completely ignore that at times. And so, now the money quote that got spread around a lot when all this was going on was that you said you were willing to 
I believe it was like give up everything you have for this. Is that is that accurate? Like was that said? And and what what do you, like people wondering what you mean when you say that? No. So well, one the person that put that out there, you know, wasn't a credible source. And when, when we were talking in conversation. And I'm talking to all of my peers or people that were on that call, you know, for the time that we're in, yo, you have to be willing to sacrifice that. Like, and that it doesn't mean that you sacrifice it forever. That means that you sacrifice it for the time that it serves of helping the people in need and as well as being aware of it. Basketball had to stop. That's why I mentioned of boycotting the bubble or not necessarily boycotting, but not going to participate because we finally need to be at home strategizing. Mm-hmm. Like we finally need to be at home getting our wealth together. We finally need to come closer as a brotherhood, like because we represent an economic platform, a campaign, and also a social campaign of who we are as men that come from single parent homes, that come from these neighborhoods, that come from the justice system that's done our family members wrong. We're examples of it. You know what I mean? And if we're not willing to fight for that, or stand on what you believe in, then, bro, you, you can, I can say it all I want, but the action has to follow, you know, and I, and I follow suit from the people that have come before me and that I partner with and just great pioneers that have made, an, an, a, you know, disruptive changes in their spaces. Like, no, nah, I'm not standing for that anymore, bro. I don't, I don't want the same league mandated um, behavior. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't, I'm, I want more for us. So I will speak for as if we're in 2030 and 2020. Mm-hmm. I think something Kay and I talk about, you know, there, there's ways to make small changes in your immediate sphere. And then I feel like those changes gradually turn into bigger changes. I, y'all are obviously doing your part, you know, and the changes you can make and the changes I can make are a little bit, a little bit different size. But I do appreciate what y'all do. And when, when I see you guys do it and, and do it in a way that, isn't about publicity, you know, and I, I just as somebody as a fan of the game, as a fan of the players and the impact you guys have, uh, people throw the word platform around a lot. And that was a lot of what the NBA was selling. We had this platform. We had this platform. I think at some point we get past raising awareness and it's like, all right, what are the actions we're taking here? You know, we we're saying these people's names. We've been saying Breonna Taylor's name for six months and, you know, we, we still aren't happy with the results, obviously, with the lack of charges and and it's frustrating. It's frustrating in a lot of ways, but I appreciate the action that people take, whether small, whether big, and just try to build that up as much as we can. Um, the WNBA put a lot of emphasis on Breonna Taylor as well. Kyrie, you 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 helped raise the the fund for players who wanted to opt out of this season. Um, what brought about your affinity for not just the WNBA, but women's sports in general? Because I know you have a daughter. I have daughters. And I was actually just talking the other day about uh, my daughter has your shoes. And big part of the reason why is because they come in women's colors. They come in girls' colors. And we don't always get that. Uh, what, what brought about that for you? You know, you were just talking about the Olympics just kind of being all in awe of the women's team as well. So it, I, I know it's something that's been a long time coming. Well, man, I, I, I got to go back to the origins on that, bro. It started with my grandma um, and my grandma Lillian and my mom, Elizabeth, uh, you know, my grandma Norma and my grandma Charlotte. Uh, you know, having strong women in my life has been able to, you know, shelter me and nurture me as a young man. Um, and something that I was missing early on um, as a kid was some of that motherly nature, that motherly nurturing support. And I know that I wasn't the only young man to feel that or young woman. Um, so as I got older, I got to really be around my sister. Uh, that was, you know, that's my, I call her my twin. And, you know, growing up, you know, boy, girl, my dad's single parent. So he's at work. I got to learn how to exist with a young woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got to figure it out. Like, I'm the annoying little brother. But at the same time, my sister's brain is matured faster than me. She's taller than me. My sister used to tower over me until I was like 11 years old. (laughs) (laughs) He's like six inches taller than me. And my dad was worried I wasn't going to grow. But yeah, bro, like my, I wouldn't even call it so much an affinity. It's, it's my service to Queens. Um, that, that starts at the foundation and that foundation is, 
making sure that we protect them. Um, they're the creators of life, bro. And whatever they choose to do in their lives, I feel like all males should, should be supportive, um, especially if, if it's serving them. Uh, and I felt like growing up, I had to come from a place of sensitivity fairly often uh, to understand my sister <laughs> and understand other And now that I have uh, my lady Marlene, I've gotten to learn a lot more. And then all of that learning with my sister and learning with my little sister, London, now I have my daughter. So it kind of completed this journey for me of taking on this message of making sure that we put the same optics, the same perspectives, the same capital into women as we do into men, especially when it came to professionally entertaining, because this job doing it every day is not meant for everyone. You know, there, there's only been 5,000 something total NBA players. I can only imagine how many WNBA players there are. And we have women, queens that dedicate their lives, their passion, everything to this game, everything to music, everything. And, and they don't get the same fair treatment. And the skill level is, there's always a comparison and that's not what it's meant to be. What it's meant to be is an appreciation of the skill and then the appreciation of the, com the competition. And when I go to those games, that's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for, oh, who, who's, a, who's a girl, who's a guy? And it's just like, no, I pull up to watch good basketball. Like, I don't, I don't really think of it as, but, as like guys, girls, but because we live in this, you know, this superficial society where gender has, you know, kind of like evolved into this big conversation of, well, who gets fair treatment? Because over history, bro, we haven't treated our queens the right way. And I know that when you have queens leading, your life goes a lot smoother. <laughs> Let's just say, when my daughter's leading me, I know she's happy. You know what I mean? And, and I'm okay with that as a male because I'm secure with myself. I know if I challenged Sue Bird or Jewel Lloyd or even my daughter to a race or to playing ball, they would have the same comp competitive drive that Kev would have. Like, all right, let's go out to the court then. Motherfucker, what are you talking about? Excuse my language. Yeah. So it's the same everything. It's just they're the creators of life. And they have, you know what I mean? They, they go through the rigorous nine months, eight months to birth our asses. And we, we still can't figure out a way to get them in the better position for them to feel comfortable in certain spaces. Like, no, bro, that has to change. But I knew that the, the WNBA, as great as league they are, um, you know, there was going to be some fight back and some pushback uh, because, you know, that – that's their source of revenue. And most girls go overseas and make more. And that's always been a challenge. You know what I mean? I'm always looking at it like, yo, honestly, you know, why is it that we can't, us as NBA players have a stake or have some type of equity in the WNBA teams? Those are our sisters. You know, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm going out and helping like, you know, some stranger or something like that. No, I'm helping out my sisters. And I knew that that would give them breathing room as well as a, a place to make a decision that wasn't pressured or that they had to go play ball. Like, no, because I am blessed enough to be able to sit down and just relax and just accumulate intellect and more knowledge about building wealth. Well, let me bring in these queens and help them build as well. I know that I can't – I don't, I don't want to – I have enough. I have enough on the clothes on my back. Even if I didn't have this home, I would be okay. You know, so having them be part of that process was important. And just having them have cards at the table, like, yo, here, let's play with these cards now. Let's go own a business together. Let's go uh, be partners and collab um, in this uh, enterprise over here. And, you know, let, let's, let's go and make impact in this racial gap, wealth gap. Let's, let's go make some political uh, changes as a group. You know, let's speak as a coalition rather than just one big conglomerate, you know, and it's hard to, you can get lost in the big conglomerate of the entertainment industry. So my goal is to partner as many Kings and Queens together without having everybody signed to a management deal, but we run the industry without us. There is no industry. There's no games. We saw that. We got to see that in action. Yeah, we did. There's we no games at the root of it. So, that takes me to a point where we talked about a little bit earlier. I wanted to ask you about um, when we talked about media. We see guys like Brian with Uninterrupted, Steph with Unanimous, myself. Uh, now you guys got Players TV. 
you and a couple of guys in the league, Founding Fathers of Players TV. Explain a little bit of that to me. Well, man, I, I'm CVO over at Players TV, Creative Visionary Officer. I have a lot to do with uh, our content strategy, as well as being the talent, as well as being an influencer, as well as being an entrepreneur and bringing um, more eyes and perspective to the brand, but as well as I'm part of a team. Um, we have great brand ambassadors, great people that invested, great partners on the um, TV television side, as well as on the uh, digital content side. And I wanted to be able to have a place where, you know, I could see some of my favorite shows be reenacted by some of my family or some other business partners. Um, I want to see comedy that comes from a Kevin Durant, if you so choose to, you know, I want to see a comedy special that I know at any point of the day, I can go and turn and go search Katie's show right here at 4 p.m. And we run it based upon um, our own level of criticism and creative thinking. So I was thinking when I saw you, Bron, and Steph, and you know, so many people create all this great social content was, you know, where, where do I fit into this of, of my own truth? And then how do I bring others along? I'm more like the imaginative person, the creative person behind the scenes. Like, yo, I think that's a good idea right now. I, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm like Diddy on, uh, on a few songs. I'm just like, yeah, you know, you, you reworked that last line a little bit and you, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's gold. But I took that, that position, uh, Players TV, for the next wave of athletes, entertainers that can have their own network and collaboratively work to see it grow. Um, you know, the Tennis Channel has their own channel. Um, you know, I think, how many other? Uh, during the season, you know, they have volleyball. Golf has its own channel. And we have NBA TV and we have all of our great partners, but there's not anything that talks really about lifestyle. And that's all I wanted to be doing there as Creative Visionary Officer was talk about lifestyle. You know, everyday comedy everyday drama, everyday, um, you know, just creativity workshops. Are you going to do, do more acting? I'm one of the people who was like an Uncle Drew movie and then finally watched it and was like, oh, yeah. wait, this is, oh, wait, this shit kind of, oh, okay. And then like by hour in, I'm, I'm, I'm locked in. Like, all right, like, what's up? What's up with this? Like, let me see what happens. Are you going to do more of that? Yeah, bro, honestly, you know, I took acting classes when I was younger. What? And <laughs> it shows. Yeah, I was in acting class uh, at Duke. I took theater and I took drama and I used to go and uh, watch the plays, uh, you know, on my spare time, I used to go watch them rehearse. So uh, I was really cool with the drama teacher over there, uh, a theater teacher. And when I started doing some of those shorts uh, with Uncle Drew, I had no idea it was going to turn into that, bro. None. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I didn't, I, all I was thinking about was going out there, being old and just having fun and, have an endorsement <laughs> and that was cool i wasn't thinking about the long term like yo this could turn into an actual freaking movie and you know we fast forward from doing all those shorts and i saw how many hits we were getting online it was like bro i don't know if people know that's still me like <laughs> like bro <laughs> people like to differentiate like yo he's going uncle drew tonight like what does that mean bro i'm the same like i said <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I was like, oh, I got. I guess I got my nickname now. I guess I got my nickname now. Untuck Kyrie. You know about that one? Untuck Kyrie, Mask Kyrie. Uh, yeah, that's not I me. Mean. Uncle Drew, yeah, yeah. Playoff Kyrie, all this. Different animal, same beast. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about Nash. What you think about Nash being at, being on the sidelines for us? Tell us about the secret meeting where y'all where y'all hired him. <laughs> yo, or relax, team or yo. whatever the narrative yo. is. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. So what happened? We have been planning. We have been planning a a, a change, m maybe for the last few months. That was fucking crazy. Maybe for the, maybe for the last few months. <laughs> that was maybe for the last few months. But first of all, I want to give a shout out to Kenny Atkinson because you know some people came out and was like, "Yo, Kai and KD got Kenny fired." And look, that was completely false. Listen, Kenny was great for the group that he served and. I was very appreciative of, of what he was giving us um, throughout the season when we were playing. We always heard how great Nash was or saw how great Nash was as a player, but also when you get to know him as a person, you understand why he can coexist with us because we don't need somebody to come in and 
put their coaching philosophy on everything that we're doing and change up the wheel and yo, you guys need to start doing this. And we start running on the first day of practice. And it's just like, no, <laughs> I want, I want somebody, I need somebody that's going to understand that I am a human being first. I serve my community and where I come from first. And then basketball is something I come and do every single day because I love and also, I have the right ingredients and people around me to come in and do my job at a high level, and I know that they will hold me accountable to that level. There's no disrespect to Kenny or any other coaches I play with. It's just Steve coming in at this moment and then following up with putting together a great coaching core was going to make us more successful. Do you and Steve have a relationship already? Y'all have only been able to play a few times against each other, right? You coming in when you did? Yeah, I gave him I gave him 26 and 9. I like to remind him of <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't play those games with Steve, but no, nah, uh, Coach. I was the first. He said I was the first person to call him Coach Nash, but I call him Steve. Steve is great, and I have a a relationship with him that's going to build over time, bro. Like Steve don't know me from anything he heard, or mm-hmm. you know anything that he's heard from anyone else, or we've worked out one time in 2014. Um, but it's it's grown as just a respectful relationship from afar. I saw him at the Hall of Fame two years ago, gave him a big hug, and now he's the head coach. You know, and I and I think it's also going to change the way we see coaches. I don't really see us having a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, I, KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. Jacques Vaughn could do it one day. It could it could be it can be. It's a collaborative effort, I think, on our part. That's the word right there. When I, when I seen the hire, that's the word I thought of. Like this is a collaborative team at this point. Jacques Vaughn was the person I thought of. He did a really good job with that team. A lot of people wanted him to have that job. But like having that many minds in the same, it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And it's also good to have somebody at the at the head of the snake that's got that respect. Steve is a Hall of Famer, no doubt about it, right? Did it on the court, biggest stages. And it, it's, it's going to be real easy for you, Kai, or for you, Kevin, to like get in the huddle. And Steve, he might got to chew you out, say, yo, Get on your shit. Like, what are you doing? And you respect that from Steve because he been there. He been in wars. He, you know, he got busted up in the playoffs, got right back on the court, was mad he couldn't get on the court, did the whole nine. So the more I thought about it, it's easy to say he has no head coaching experience. We've watched first-time head coaches win rings this entire decade over and over and over. And with the minds y'all have in that locker room and the clear, I think, identity y'all going to have, you know, it. I'm not going to say it makes his job easier. But it makes sense to me. You guys would have somebody to collaborate with in that sense. Most definitely, most definitely. I think if I think a lot of people may question our leadership overall, or just us two. But once I, me and Kai talked about being coached every single day, I think that's the that's the that's leading by example. And I think a lot of our teammates are going to follow that follow suit once they see we getting coached and we learning and and continue to uh, you know ask questions about the game. And I, and I think having Steve there. And collaborating with our floor general every day, that's only going to yield good results for scores like myself and Tori and Karis and Spencer. So them having that relationship, I think, is going to be key for us to going, going forward, even more so than my relationship with Kai or with Steve. Can I ask the cliche question and go viral with it real quick? Mm-hmm. Ten, 10 seconds left in the game, one-point game. Who's shooting? You you were Kyrie, KD? Depends on who's hot. I, I don't I don't see it I don't see it as that as anything other than that like one three pick and roll or it's an ISO for either one of us or it's something great for our our team I'm one thing I'm I've always been comfortable with is you know I felt like I was the best option on every team I played for you know down the stretch this is the first time in my career where I could look down and be like that motherfucker can make that shot too <laughs> and and he'll probably do it a lot easier you know what I mean where I I, I feel like yo. Okay, well, nah, it's not really so much deferring because in past situations, if I didn't take the last shot, I felt guilty. Mm. You know, I was like, yo, I, I want this game-winning shot, but also you want to trust your teammates. Not that I didn't say I didn't have the trust in my teammates, but I felt like I was the best option. And now, 10 seconds down, go ahead, Kay, get us a fucking bucket. I don't care, bro. I'm going to crash the offensive glass. <laughs> I, I know how to play the game without the ball you know what I mean I'm like yo if he makes misses I'm living with it and if I make miss he's living with it and I think when you match that up together hey now now you get to really see it two guys that are unselfish with that end of the game but 
going for that game winner. We're trying to make it, and that's all I care about. Kev, you standing in the corner while he, while he handles it? Most definitely. <laughs> like like he said, when you look at somebody and they, you know that they can make shots the same way you can or better, the, the best part about being in this position of power is like and being a leader of a team where people look up at you is like – I enjoy getting out the way and letting and letting others flourish and, and being a decoy. I really enjoy knowing that me standing in this corner may give Kai or Karis or Torian or you know Joe Harris just a little bit more space to do their thing. So standing 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 out the way and and and, and taking myself out to play, I, I learned this a lot in Golden State. It, it, sometimes the the best the best thing for you to do is just get out the way. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Especially <laughs> on both sides of the floor. It's, you know you're not needed at some points, and I feel like late in the games it may be some of those situations with us where it's like okay. Go sit in the corner and drag this six nine, seven four wingspan dude out here with you, so they can't give me a good contest in the paint. You know, so I think we're gonna have situations where we both gonna have to play the side, and you never know when those situations are gonna come up. But I think we both prepared to like, hey, can I go do your thing? Can I go do you? That one three pick and roll is gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy if y'all do the big small joint too. Like that's gonna mix a lot of shit up. I'm, I know. Fans everywhere, whether they love, hate y'all, whatever, they're excited to see y'all play together. Um, I know I'm excited. I have rooting, vested rooting interests in here now, so it's going to be fun <laughs> to see. Uh, Kyrie, I don't know how much time Kevin asked for. <laughs> we had said like an hour before, and we're, yeah, we're we past did. two hours now. We're breaking it. We're about 2.15 right now. We could talk all day. I, I This was great. This was hilarious. This was uh, enlightening and many times I have a question though um, mm-hmm. because I always have this running joke when it comes to you that if Kyrie retired tomorrow and disappeared and we never saw him again it wouldn't surprise me at all now I say that knowing <laughs> nothing of you I say that knowing nothing of you I know you love the game I know that's not about to happen but it's just my running joke you laugh, so it must be it must be pretty good. The conversations joke, we didn't had about this specific topic, especially no. <laughs> last. <laughs> so, so with that said, you're not retiring. I need to see y'all play. I need to see y'all play in June. I need to see the whole thing. Do you, do you have have you already considered your life after your playing career? Because I know it was something Kobe didn't start until late, and then he started picking up like, oh, I could tell stories, oh, I could do this, and then he, his family got bigger, and he. He had more things to look forward to at this point. And it, honestly, he looked happier. Like, Kobe the only dude that got older, shaved his head, and looked younger. Like, he got a beard, and he looked, <laughs> he looked yeah. 25 again. And, then like, he was done yeah. stressing. Uh, have, you looked, have you looked towards after your playing career? Yeah. You know, you're only 28, but you are year 10. You know, at some point, you do look forward, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's natural. It's natural, bro, to look at uh, kind of what does that – future look like uh because i tell you bro i i think about it pretty often of of starting over in something else that i love uh whether it be you know making uh, canvases art whether it just be strictly shoe design whether it be music um you know whether it just be traveling the world and and going to third world countries and just staying there for months at a time to learn different languages or learn different tribes, um, go back and live on the reservation in South Dakota, you know, and and go back and be with my family for six months at a time to to learn my traditions that I, I lost sight of, you know, at a particular time. So when I think about retiring or leaving basketball or the professional life or entertainment, yeah, like I think about a life where yo. Tomorrow, if I just disappeared, you know, shit, like, who, who would really know where I'm at? You know, I would shave my head. I would shave my beard. You know, people probably wouldn't recognize me at, to a certain degree. And I, and I think about that, uh, you know, pretty often, but not as much as I used to because I know that I serve a bigger purpose here for God. And I know that if I go high, then I know that I'm almost – you know, stopping the world, the world from changing and inspiring that next person to do great things. Um, because I know while I keep going and when I keep showing up for work every single day and I continue to be who I am, I know it's somebody following me just like I was following Kobe or I was following my dad. And Confucius said, if you want to plan for a year, grow rice. If you want to plan for 10 years, plant a tree. And if you want to plan for a century, 
educate children. And my, my philosophy is uh, continuing to be who I am continues to resonate this energy to the youth, bro. So it's like sitting in this position right now of being 28 is like, yeah, it would be cool to retire now <laughs> and say, yo, I, I did, you know, I did, I did some cool shit and I got these accomplishments. I got these trophies. I got this, I did that, but I do it for the 28 year olds that are coming in these shoes in the next year in the next five years, in the next 10 years you know, the 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds that are in the league today or in professional sports or entertainment need to know the truth about how you can live a principle-led life without falling into the traps of fame or, you know, this, you know, this like big mockery of, of you know, being praised all the time, bro, because this is a disease sometimes, almost like an addiction, like where you, you can't function without somebody mentioning your name or how great you are. And there's so many mm -hmm. people out there that live off of that energy, you know, that prey mm -hmm. idolization. I don't live off of that. And my lady told me this the other day. She was asking me about Kobe, and this is when put it in perspective. And, you know, I'll close with this, but she put it in perspective, bro. Like, she was like, what did Kobe mean to you? And I'm like, yeah, you know, Kobe means this to me. And she was like, well, did you really look up to Kobe? And I was like, yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? Like, well, what did he learn? What did you learn from him? What did he teach you? What do you remember most? And she said, I want you to remember that same thing that same way you're smiling, that same way you're answering with a smile on your face that you can feel the energy of a person teaching you, you need to remember that a lot of people look up to you that same way. Same way, you know, even your superhero has looked up to a superhero before them. And sometimes the superhero can forget that you have all the humanity rooting you on just because in your mind you feel like you're not good enough because of all these people that are telling you you're not that person. You're not, you can't be that person. And I wrestled with that for a minute, bro. Like, of, yo, I don't want to be too accessible. But then at the same time, I know I have a lot to offer, you know, and it's not just conversations that I have on here, but it's also conversations I have with Kay. And I know Kay be like, well, why don't, why don't you tell that to other people? And I'll be like, well, some, <laughs> some people are other people because sometimes I'm like, yo, they, they probably want to understand, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard out here to get people to understand exactly what you're thinking because you you a visual you visualize a lot of different things. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, <laughs> you asked me to go in the room and paint you a masterpiece and paint it in eight hours, and you told me I had a timestamp on it. I that's that's my space. If you ask me to mm -hmm. come and talk in front of you know a thousand people and I have to address them about some of my expertise in certain things, you know, before my past, I'll get a little anxious, I'll get a little nervous because perception you want it you want it to make sense you want it to make sense like you know kai what, what did you think about this when you were creating this what are you in and it's like bro i'm only 28 i don't have all the freaking answers bro as much as you think i've accomplished and done in my life i'm like yo it scratches the surface at some of the people that have come before me and i'm gonna leave it with this as well and i want to change this attitude and this whole thing people would rather be dumb for money than be brilliant for legacy you know, and I'm one of those people that would rather be brilliant for legacy. I don't mind being called crazy or off the wall because I, I think alternatively or I may think, you know, about an equation differently or I may look at life in a different perspective or I may say things that go over people's heads or run them in circles. Because I used to get mad at myself for that, bro. Like, yo, I can't make sense. People are calling me da 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 da. And now I sit in this power and I stand in being a king to know that the next kings that come after me will know about the truth. And that's all I can. That's all I can give. If I'm not being truthful to me, then you won't see me, you know. And, and when I feel like I'm not truthful to myself, that's when I'm isolated in myself and I want to grow and be something different. But when I'm being truthful to myself, that's when you want to share. And I'm in the mode now or excuse me, not in the mood, but the energy now to be able to share a lot of this. That's why I haven't done a lot of the media and I did it for Kay. And now with for you, Eddie, in the show on the first episode, because, you know, I would rather be a conversationalist than be a critic and then be criticized for that, because I know it could at least be criticized by people I respect in conversation rather than this is fact, like as if me at 28 is going to be the same me at 33 or 38. It's just like it's just two different points um, of evolution, you know? Well, look, man, I appreciate it a lot. It was an honor. 
you said the right word, conversation. That's what we're going for here on the et cetera. Uh, again, it's an honor. I think you're one of the most unique and fascinating players that I've ever watched as, as long as I've been watching sports. I appreciate your thoughtfulness. I appreciate your willingness to speak out about things, whether or not people take it the right way or the wrong way. And I, I like seeing the growth where you don't care about that anymore. You know, I, I was happy you mentioned how in the 17 finals, it was like, all right, maybe I should pass more. And now you're like, you know what? I, I'm doing me and I trust what I'm doing. So I'm going to do that. So I appreciate the growth. I appreciate all of that. Again, thank you, Kai. My son is going to be amazed <laughs> that I did this. Uh, like I said, we got your shoes, the whole nine. You're the guy. I can't wait to see you back on the court. You're back healthy now, right? Are you good to go? Yes, sir. Yo, Kai, man, really appreciate you, bro. Just your existence. You know, I love everything about it, man. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your truth. And shit, man, we sh- that when this joint drop, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be one of our was right here, man. Yeah, so, man. <laughs> I love you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Peace. Appreciate y'all, man. So yeah, man, what a dope combo. It was uh, great to get inside the brain of a all-time great basketball player, but a better human being. And it was uh, incredible to see his journey thus far, man. It was, it's what the et cetera is all about, man. Really talking to people inside the culture, people that have been there, having conversations about these topics, man. I'm excited about where we can go after this. Yeah, man, I almost felt like sometimes I was buttoning into a conversation between two long-time friends. I guess I was between two longtime friends and that's what we wanted you know and that's what we knew he's gonna get with Kyrie you could feel him getting more comfortable as we went on and I knew when he started like cussing and really talking his shit like <laughs> yeah. all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We, we got caught now the confident we, Kyrie yeah the we, confident this is how they're talking after the game when they're shooting shit or whatever when they on mm-hmm. FaceTime in the morning like Masked you said Kyrie yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so once yeah. we got to that point I'm like yeah now we really getting our goal and learned a lot about a dude who is that public and that big of a figure already and it's very rare we get to do that and like you said these are the types of conversations we want to be having here and this we're looking forward to i think we got a lot of dope stuff in store a lot of great ideas that we're going to bring alive so yeah so this is the show make sure you check it out tune in wherever you get your podcasts we got more and more content coming for you looking forward to having more dope conversations we'll be back really soon with something you guys are dying to hear about trust me the etc.